1: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue with part two of our top ten safety countdown for the NFL draft coming up. Uh, so, I mean, we are recording this now on Friday morning. Uh, so it's the twenty-first already. I'm sorry, what is it the yeah? It is the twenty-first, and we are now six days from the NFL draft. Six days and some hours. Anyway, it's getting very exciting. It's like a countdown to New Year's here, as most people really think of the NFL draft as being a, a the football new year. Jason, how you doing?
0: Good. It's very good. I've, you know, it's the holidays either, either way for me, I have a, you know, as someone who celebrates Christmas, I kind of look at it as getting new presents also kind of like the new year because the, the 53 is really starting to come in or the 90 man is really starting to come into focus and you can look at who else we need to add and what the depth charts looking like. So I love it, Ken yeah just a, a
1: perfect kind of gift to get to when you're my age it doesn't clutter up the house anymore and <laughs> you, you you get to a point in life where the last thing you want is another knickknack so this is a this is a cool uh cool day to get some some additional players to look at and watch their film a second time at a lot more depth to 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 get into that and I'm sure we'll do a lot of that together Jason so we cut it off after the number 6 player. We talked a little bit in the first show. By the way, if you haven't downloaded that, go out and do that now. I'll listen to it first because it has a lot of the information on where the Ravens are now, where Jason and I feel the Ravens need to improve at safety or could improve at safety or might use a draft pick at safety, given their current situation.
0: A lot of it revolving around Kyle Hamilton and how he's used in 23. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, without the risk of uh, repeating ourselves, you know, it's just what kind of safety do you want? Safeties are, you know, becoming more and more versatile every year as far as what you ask them to do. There's no such thing almost anymore as a a free safety and a true safety. Free safeties are really hard to find, so of course they're very valuable. Ravens are lucky to have three people who could play free safety if they needed to on the roster. So, how do you round out the room, Ken? And I uh, describe that, and our boards reflect that. You know, I I kind of I'm looking for a uh, or looking at more closely guys who I think can match up with smaller slots. And kind of partner with Kyle Hamilton in some situations instead of like a uh, a true replacement for Chuck Clark, which I think we'll have covered with uh, Gino and and Kyle. Yeah, I I I
1: think that's the way to look at it. The, the Ravens, you know, potentially could use a, a, a dime back, and that could come up in twenty three under 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 multiple situations. Obviously, Patrick Queen could be traded, um, but if that doesn't happen and they stick with the, with the with the good pair of inside linebackers they've got, I think they will be a committed nickel team but you've always got the risk of injury. And if it happens, you need to have the answer. And the answer is, is most easily, in case of injury, a platoon of a two-down linebacker and then a guy who will come in on obvious passing downs. Uh, and and for that, you really want a good dime back on the team. One of the great things about Ozzie Newsom is he always had the perfect spot, and it was always pretty much in the sixth round or later to pick up that core special teams player. It could also help you as a dime back. He did it time after time after time with the Nakamura, Ralph Staten, uh, Chad Williams, uh, Chuck Clark, Anthony Levine was UDFA, you know, Corey Harris, who had the great run during 2000, 2001, um, was a very cheap free agent. The Ravens got had previously played, I think at Miami, but anyway, the, the, uh, a lot of guys who'd been extremely cheap, uh, uh, Keep coming those later rounds. I think we identified some of those guys that we really like in the first show that might end up being UDFA's, or they might end up really being sixes, um, and uh, and definitely could get uh, could get. A shot.
0: Remind folks of who you had at number ten. Number ten, I had Shamori Conner of Virginia Tech, who I I would be looking at as a UDFA. Uh, you know, he just he's got that that slot coverage. He, he's kind of a combo safety like a lot of those guys. Uh, and you mentioned Brandon Alden that you had. Uh, towards the end of your list, uh, yeah, Jordan. Yeah. Excuse me, yes, Jordan. Now, um, at the end of your list, a lot of good combo safeties. But you know, if they, I said earlier or in the earlier show, if we did spend a a fifth, you know, on one of these guys who we think is a clearly better player or a great fit, you know, one of our top guys here, one of the guys that are mentioned in this show, I, I don't think I'd be terribly disappointed because at the end, you're talking about improving your pass coverage in your secondary, so.
1: Right. It's, you're right. There is a difference there. I mean, it's at least a priority position in terms of the leverage of the downs that are played is that dimeback. So if somebody reaches for a, a slot corner slash dimeback in round five, I'm not as upset as when they reach for a second fullback in the fifth round as the Ugh. Ravens did two drafts ago. So uh, a little bit of obviously bad taste in my mouth still from that. OK, so we're going to we're going to talk about the top five now. Now, Jason, we already kind of spoiled it because Jair Brown was my number six guy. He's your number five guy. Yes, sir. And my number two guy is already off the board
0: because he's your number six guy, I think, right? That's right. That's right. So you have a number five guy, I would imagine, over there? I do. I have a number five guy. The six and the two, by the way, is Jordan Battle.
1: Um, Number five guy for me is Sidney Brown of Illinois. All right, now make sure to get down to my notes on him. Make sure uh, I've and 11 to, sorry, 5, 10, 2, sorry, 510 to 11. So he's got the size component at the proper level for safety. The 510 is a little small, 10 and a quarter inch hands, 447 speed. Uh, he's 23 already. All his drills are impressive. In particular, his jumps are outstanding. The jumps, you want to, you really want to corroborate this once you see on tape, but I find it useful to, Know the jumps in advance, then go to tape and see if I can see if he's really using some of that on tape. Um, Also, 23 bench reps. So very impressive for a safety uh, to be able to do that. He's the twin brother of the running back Chase Brown, who's also in this draft um, and uh, had a big year at Illinois as well. 50 or senior, 50 college games played. Unfortunately, a consistently bad tackler in five seasons with a career rate of 17.8%. If it weren't for that, he'd be higher on my board. 16.5% in 2022 was the best of his career. So this is the issue for Sidney Brown. He has got to get that corrected. Uh, Hopefully there are things that that are uh, form-related and not just, um, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like it should be strength-related given the, given the reps, but it could be angle-related. There could be other reasons why he's why he's missing tackles. He's a very high-risk, high-reward safety um, in terms of a lot of things, in terms of plays, but also I think in terms of where you draft him because he's going to be highly sought after with his athleticism. 49.6 passer rating against as a fifth-year senior with one touchdown, six interceptions. He did give up 7.4 yards per target. So that's telling. He's giving up some big plays, and he still has – a remarkable interception total and passer rating again. So that's an, that's a nice combination of things, but, but it really, you know, obviously we're talking about a safety here and not a corner, but he's more like Marcus Peters in terms of how the results might look over a season at, at safety than how, you know, Marlon Humphrey or some other players might look uh, at corner who are more focused on, uh, on reducing completions and maximizing forced incompletions. I'll, I'll, I'll say bates the quarterback very effectively when stride for stride in, in phase, you'll you'll hear that call, and, and and finds the football very well in man coverage. That's uh that's a very nice trait for a free safety to have. Um, when you can find that stride for stride quickly, get into phase quickly with that, with that opposing receiver, it gives you a better chance to look for the ball. You've got techniques then that you can use to to get your peak into the backfield, find the football coming out, and it gives you a better chance, obviously, to make a play on it. He's played strong safety in slot corner, a little bit of free safety. Um, I think he could probably play any of those positions in the NFL if his tackling improves. And I think because his tackling has been a problem and also because I think his range is good and his his center field is good, I think they're going to try and whoever gets him is going to be highly incented to try him at free safety. And they're going to be more likely to draft him because they think that he can play free safety. You mentioned free safety, the much harder position to fill.
0: Yes. A lot to say about Sidney Brown uh, for me as well. Um, First of all, I Did not notice the missed tackles in the games that I watched, but I saw the reports, not only those numbers, but the reports of missed tackling. And I would go out on a limb to say, even though I haven't seen this, that it has to do with his hip tightness and his body build. He's got these stocky legs, you know, big bubble butt, average change of direction, even though he's a fast, uh, you know, you mentioned his testing, very fast jumps out the gym. So he's got these stocky, really strong legs, which aren't the best for like, uh, you know, you hit flip and, and so you get a running back who cuts back on you. I can see him getting an arm on him and that that's about it. Um, but I didn't notice it personally in the games that I watch. Um, what I love about Sidney Brown though, he's actually my positional favorite. I have him at number three, which, uh, is high and that's why I put him as my positional favorite. I would think most people have him where, where you have him, Ken, like around five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's his nose for the ball and his hustle. Um, he's a tackle hog. Uh, it's just a constant energy, constant hustle. I think some of his interceptions were, were hustle based as well. Like, uh, it's just him seeing where the ball is and busting butt. And if it's, uh, you know, the ball gets tapped up in the air, he comes down with it, you know, good ball skills. Um, special teams plays on highlights is something, another thing that I noticed, um, Mm -hmm. I don't watch the, uh, the special teams units on each side. So I can't tell you if he's a full-time starter there or not, but he laid somebody out on special teams. His downhill speed is evident. Love his angles. Um, and he gave wide receivers and tight ends a rough ride in, in the senior bowl. And you can see that on coverage. If he's manned up and asked to press up against them and run with them, um, he's very physical with them. Uh, he's a comfort player to me. Like I feel, I feel good with a player that hustles a player with that kind of physical skills and who's around the ball, who accumulates a stat line that's out of his norm, um, you know. And I think taller targets or quicker targets could give him problems. But average athletes, you know, I think that, uh, you know, or regular regular good athletes, I think that he's going to be more than fine. Uh, I just like him. I like players that are instinctual and around the ball and accumulate stats, and that's Sidney Brown. Do, do uh, I since I one of the things
1: that I did is I probably do have him a little lower because I think he's a free safety and the Ravens don't need to reach for a free safety in any way, shape, or form. Now that doesn't mean he shouldn't be at any particular point in my list. I just think they can benefit more from a combo slot, a slot dime guy. Um, but there's no doubt about it that City Brown's set of characteristics are more valuable even with the missed tackles relative to some of the other great tackling players we've already talked about in the first show. And, and we'll talk about in the rest of this one.
0: Yeah, no, as far as like team fit, uh, you know, obviously that that's the question, but like when it comes down to it, Ken, you could have said the same thing about Kyle Hamilton, uh, as far as look, like, Hey man, he's a, he's a better free safety. You want to put him at safety, but you know, when it comes down to it, I like players who are around the ball and, uh, you know, I see I see a future for him in this league, no matter if you even if you played him at dime backer, I'm sure that's something that he could adjust to fairly easily, considering his, you know, his bodybuild, his stockiness and everything else. Uh he just has a knack for uh being around the ball and and wants to get there really, really bad. Uh back end of plays, he is the last one to start jogging. Like he'll be running and in, in hopeless situations and just finish it out like a uh, like a baseball player running past first base when he knows he's out like it's just part of his DNA and I love him for that love him and his brother by the way in this draft S- Sydney go in the second round or the third round in your opinion? No, I think he's I don't think he goes in the second round. I think he's more of a a, a you know I, I have him as like a fourth round player. He's number seventy two on my board uh, and I love him. You know what I mean? So uh, you know, add thirty spots to that you know, say beginning around four or so is where I could see him going. And I think that would be,
1: yeah, go ahead. I I don't think he lasts that long because I think he's got free safety characteristics. So when you, when you have ball Hawks, they go earlier. Jesse Bates might be a guy. uh, Brown may not be as good as Jesse Bates, certainly, because very few, very few safeties have been, but, but he's the kind of guy, I think Bates went either the second or the third round. And it, it really would not surprise me if he's around the fourth, fourth round and the Ravens are picking run run to the podium with that pick. There's, there's just a lot of value there. Uh, now, admittedly, there may be some other guys that the Ravens just have to have at that point, but uh, but that's what's so fun is, you know, we, we we get in the middle of the draft coverage and we're we're hyper excited because there's five picks to go and there's six players that we all really like that, that would be good. I think we're going to have some of that, particularly at 22 for the Ravens, should be a very
0: interesting first night of the draft. Absolutely. So he was all the way up at three on my list, Ken. I'm not sure if I said that, but yeah. You did. So five is co- five is covered for both of us.
1: We're now a number four. So who's your number four guy.
0: Okay, yeah. Right behind Sidney Brown, I had Christopher Smith of Georgia. Uh a five year player again, so age is not on his size. He's a little undersized, maybe uh from a height weight perspective, five eleven, one ninety-two. So he's not tiny tiny, but he's not stocky. Um more of a more of a strong safety slash slot. And the reason I have him this high is because he can cover in man. Um, his change of direction is evident in the game team. Uh, he can play post, but he looks like a natural slot corner to me. He's experienced, fearless player, fearless and fast north-south, which defies his four six two forty. 240, shows to me that he has good instincts, good change of direction. As somebody I think like Jamie Robinson uh, and uh, like the, my number one guy would fit in really well with Kyle Hamilton. Uh, you know, a safety who can match up in the slot if he needed him to, or let Kyle match up in the slot and uh, have him sit on the bench while Gino's in there.
1: Now, I missed this somehow because he's my number nine guy. So we should have already talked about him, but I don't think I did. I think that we, we, okay, Your your nine guy was Skinner, and then I talked about Skinner, and then we went to your eight number eight guy because Skinner was my number eight. That's what I think happened. But anyway, Christopher Smith, my number nine guy. The stuff, the stuff you mentioned is all good. Uh, the speed is a little less you'd want i think he does make up for it very well with his instincts i my line is placed faster than 462 with instincts and diagnosis and i had two plays to really look at look at the pick six against clemson in 21 and the pick versus oregon in 22 they're outstanding instinct plays both of them and you know his speed did not matter and it goes to goes to show a lot just how little how much more important instincts are than pure speed on the back end and and those were those were both plays I like bench vertical and broad, all very bad for him. You know, again, your, your acceleration is often very closely correlated with your vert and broad jumps. And, you know, for, for a player to to show off instincts that, that have him playing at such a obviously faster speed for my eyes, I say, this is really impressive. You know, his instincts had to be really good to get here. He is 23 years old or will be on May 1st. Um, that's not ideal. He's been a consistently poor tackler in college, 14.6% in his career, 15.1% in 22. But on the other hand, you get a free safety type passer rating, 61.9, uh, opposition passer rating, 6.5 yards per, t- per target is fine. It's not, it's not exceptionally good, but it's not exceptionally bad either with three TDs and six interceptions career. So he's played a lot of college football and he has, uh, really done well in terms of his total coverage statistics. Uh, you know, he's a full-time free safety who really plays downhill uh, and and really likes to make plays around the line of scrimmage. You really notice it. Likes to, likes to jam up passes for short gains. You always want to see that. Uh, has not been the greatest tackler. Doesn't always convert. But I love the way he tries to direct plays and tries to contain plays. Those were good. Don't know if you saw it. And you mentioned uh, special teams plays. He will get some extra points with Harbaugh in the room at least uh, come draft night. But uh, he picked up a punt that rolled to a stop at the five-yard line and ran it back for a touchdown.
0: And I did see a, that, Yeah,
1: That's the kind of thing. Well, he's going to love that. and uh, You know he's going to be a, probably a red star guy from Harbaugh as far as that goes. So uh, you never know. Uh, so not, I don't really think he's cut out for single high, but we'll see. Maybe a guy who can adapt to single high at the NFL level. He was one of the really difficult ones. I didn't wasn't sure if he's going to be quite on my board or quite off because there's a lot of guys, frankly, close at the bottom. And as Smith is a guy, I'd be much happier if the Ravens got him either cheap, meaning a six, or as a UDFA. And there will be some people who will look at his spate of testing and say, uh uh-uh, uh. Right. I just it, it just won't be all teams. And and some of the clever teams that'll
0: that'll uh you know value him differently, hopefully will look at tape and say, there's, there's a ball player here. Right. I think that what you, what he sacrifices in those explosive numbers is, you know, the, you know, the non-stocky lower half, the anti-Sydney Brown, if you will, is what he gains in his quick hips. You know, it's, it's just very fluid, oily hips, as, as they say, change of direction, eyes. There's a lot to like, um, you know, maybe I'll have to change my star player to him if he's being mocked that low uh Because, you know, like I said, I I like him better than Brown and Battle and and Jamie Robinson. I I saw that he can play the post. I liked what I saw in the post. But to me, he looks more natural in the slot uh, and would be, you know, therefore uh, my ideal fit for the type of safety the Ravens could add.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing draft network is one of the boards you can look at. They have they have Christopher Smith at 57 overall. Yeah, okay. so him as a second round pick. So I don't. I think you're more in line with uh, with the traditionalists here than
0: you than you uh, are giving yourself credit for. There you go. Yeah, I have him at ninety five on my board. So uh, you know, I have Sidney Brown higher, obviously.
1: Okay. All right. Outstanding. So where are we now? You that was your number four guy, right?
0: And Brown was my number three. I don't know if you. No, gave no I, I still have a number four. Okay, um,
1: So it's Brandon Joseph of Notre Dame. Not sure where you had him. You, you, I think you're missing one of these guys, so it could be Joseph uh, or it could be somebody else. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Maureen and I probably watch Notre Dame football as much as anything else, so we get to see Joseph play a fair amount. Another 462-40 guy. He's 22, so he's a year younger. Uh, he has played some incredible football at Notre Dame and Northwestern for three years before he transferred. Uh, great split safety prospect who probably is not an ideal back-end uh, single high guy. And the, the comp for him is Geno Stone. Geno Stone, almost the same speed. It might have been 462, in fact, that Geno Stone was in school, but, but a, a back-end guy with some certainly some instincts and got all kinds of anticipation. And the biggest like positive the other team can give you, other than actually saying fine 20 on every play on the, on the quarterback's armband, is that they never threw at the guy. Never. So uh, there's a good cut-up of the Ohio State game out there where he had four tackles, and he was not targeted for the entire game. Uh, but he was just completely staying away from his areas with throws. I think Earl Thomas and those heat maps that were there before, or Ed Reed in terms of, you know, you, don't, you just don't want to throw to his area of the field at all if you can avoid it. Um, but I think they were a lot of people looked at the Notre Dame defense this last year and said, if you look at the guy who could beat you defensively, it's probably him. He's the, he's the, he's the guy who, who could relate to uh, you know some turnovers. He had 10 interceptions in his career. Last year, targeted only 17 times the entire year, 17 times in 10 games, 4.7 yards per target, one touchdown, one interception, just never gets beat deep, did not allow a reception the entire year over 16 yards. Uh, career, he's got seven passes defense, 10 interceptions. And get this, this is a career college uh, opposition passer rating 42.6. 39.6 is every ball incomplete. So 42.6 is is fantastic. And it, obviously, you'd have to have a number of interceptions to do that. In 2020 at Northwestern, and that's the COVID year, so it was a little bit shortened for Northwestern, I'm sure. His opponent passer rating was 2.8 for the entire year. So that's fantastic. 11.1% missed tackle rate was a big improvement rate from prior years uh, where he'd been, he's still at 15.7% career. Um, but it came on a relatively small number of total tackles, so I, I liked Brandon Joseph. Obviously, we we you know probably a little bit biased towards towards picking a Notre Dame game guy here, but uh, uh, I did like him a lot. I think he has that it factor for a free safety that makes him a very exciting
0: draft pick for somebody. He does, he does. You know, I I don't like him obviously as as much as you, um, and I think that the best way I could say it can is. I think he's pretty good when the ball is – or he's very good when the ball is not in play, which is you know a relative term. But when the ball is in play, uh, like miss, tackle miss is getting dragged. I'd like to know what his missed tackle rate that you had there, yeah, if it was back acceptable back. or not. Yeah, it was good last year, or it was above average last year. It eleven point one percent, and
1: but it's 15.7% for his career. And 11.1% is good, 15.7% is
0: bad. Yeah. Okay. I might have to go back and watch him again. So this is why I love doing this show um, because in the games that I watch miss getting dragged, uh, uninspiring athleticism, especially shows in this tackling, but his 10 career interceptions was, is keeping him in consideration for my board uh, can play deep. Uh, I don't know if he played a lot of split safety, if he was deep all the time, but you know, the lack of targets and the, I just, I think he's a very, uninspiring athlete as far as like when you get to the NFL level, he's going to be a liability with uh, when a ball carrier has got the ball in his hands. Like, I think he's slower than a four, six, two. And I don't know if you saw that or not. That's just my, you know, my personal opinion. And when we're splitting the hairs here with the, uh, who's draftable and not, that's uh, that's where I would like to ask.
1: You know, that's a, it's a, it's a very valid question. And one of the problems with with trying to answer that for Brandon Joseph is the other team never throws at him so how do you judge his reaction time as being you, you you can in terms of he takes one route and he and he tries to get there you can see if that bracket is is holding up um, but there's just not a lot there uh to judge would he have gotten there in time for the football uh particularly well so uh, I, I, I will admit I've probably come up short on some of that, but but on terms of, of how the number of targets are fighting him, it's very low, and the overall result on those targets is unbelievably good.
0: When they what, about, throw the ball to him. what about if, like, okay, like Joe Mixon or Nick Chubb mm-hmm. or Najee Harris has the ball, and he's got a pretty good angle? You know what I mean? Like, how, how do you think he holds up in a run? Not, inter- you know, versus the passing game, but just, like, not being a liability in tackling. Um,
1: he won't be as good as your typical strong safety, and he would be as good as many of your other players. Like, I, I honestly think Geno Stone is a comp for him in a lot of ways in okay. terms of, you know, uh, PFF really loved him uh, out of college. But I'll tell you what. Last year I really liked Trent McDuffie and I liked Trent McDuffie and the Ravens didn't like Trent McDuffie. And in fact, me too. Director Costa yeah. after the fact had a really kind of um, specific reaction that he had to a fan who who who, who asked about McDuffie. I remember. And I, I, yeah, and, and it was one of these things where McDuffie it's all about the results in college. He had like 3.0 point something yards per target as a as a corner last year and that. You know, you can't fake that kind of production. You just can't fake it. And and you know, we have guys who run the entire spectrum, particularly in the corner group, where Gonzalez, who's super highly thought of and has great physical traits and all, is over eight yards a target. And Devin Witherspoon, who people try and find some way to put him behind Gonzalez, has incredible yards per target. And Malcolm Forbes has great yards per target when you consider the interception returns in, in particular. And you know, I just I don't get it in terms of how people can say, well, the production really doesn't matter. It's what I'm seeing on the tape. And I keep thinking to the scene in Moneyball where all the scouts, the old time scouts are around the table saying, the ball just kind of flies off his bat. You can see the ball just kind of fly off his bat when it hits it. And it's just, it's, you know, it's what's his walk rate? You know, that's what I'd want to know about that, about that ball player. So anyway, I I just, I, he had production you couldn't fake. I, I, I'm i most concerned that, uh, that this is a Notre Dame pick. So anyway, I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that.
0: That's okay. I, I would see him as a free safety only. And uh, I think that that's what's, that's, what's like kind of scaring me away from him. You know, I can only tell you what I see, honestly. And, you know, I see a free safety that whose play speed is like closer to four, seven than it is even four, six. So I don't know, man, he is a really smart player though. You can tell, I mean, there's a reason he wasn't targeted, you know what I mean? I don't know if it's because I don't. I, I don't know. I'd have to watch more. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and watch. Is there? A ge- I'll ask you maybe after the show if there's a game sure. I should check out. Uh, maybe one of the I mean, better games. Look
1: at the cut up of the Ohio State game. It's out there. It's a great cut up. It has him marked on every play, and they just never went after him. Uh, you, you won't maybe get what you want, but it should tell you that. Ohio State's really looking away from him. They're looking to you know, use their receivers, and they had a lot of receiving threats this last year in, in different ways to not attack
0: him. Gotcha. So, anyway, take a look at that. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate that, buddy. All right. We're at number three for you. It was Sidney Brown was my number three. All right. I have him at number five.
1: So we'll go to my number three, and he may not be on your list because I can't figure out who else he would leave off. So my number three guy's Ronnie Hickman of Ohio State. Uh, six Oh two Oh three, 33 inch arms, four forty five twenty five 25 bench reps with 33 inch arms as a safety. That's pretty amazing. He won't be 22 until 10, 11. Some big bonus points there. Um, he only lost four college football games. Uh, his last two, uh, really have to sting the Michigan and Georgia losses for Ohio state, but. Uh, You want to play the proven winner card or whatever, you can do it on that. He's certainly played a lot of winning football, and that's part of being recruited into a great program. Uh, He's played everywhere in the secondary except outside corner. So they've had him at the slot. They've had him at dime. uh, They've had him at at, uh, free safety and strong safety. Uh, Had incredible coverage here in 2022, and this is one of the you-can't-fake-it numbers again. 107 yards allowed on 30 targets. That's 3.6 yards per target a 39.2 opposition pass rate with with just one interception. So what that's telling you about is he's basically allowing near the minimum for the quarterback rating formula in all the other three categories since he only had one interception. So that's really remarkable because it'd be 39.6 if he had zero interceptions and was at the minimum in every other category. So that, that tells me things are really going right. Um, With 33 inch arms um, and playing strong safety, most commonly, I th- still think it would be reasonable to expect better ball production that he's had. One interception and seven PDs in his career. And that's really the, the only downside I can see on him. Uh, he does not have a great miss tackle rate either. 16.9% last year, 14.9% career. That's got to improve, and it probably should, given all the things about him. He's got 25 bench reps. He's got those long arms. He's the right size. Something's got to be wrong with form. Hopefully, that can be fixed. In terms of of uh, you know being a more productive tackler, better, a more a higher rate tackler, um, almost never beaten deep. He had two catches allowed for 28 yards this year. That was really the longest he allowed all season. Didn't have a touchdown allowed. One interception this year. Um, diagnosis: way too quick for screen blockers was my other point. Mm. Um, they try and get set up. He's already in the in the forest, and then he's by the forest before they can toss a block on him. So uh, a lot of uh, what he did as his playmaking bread and butter was minimizing short passes in front of him. The Ravens love to play zone. They love to you know, have big guys obviously in that zone. And a guy with 33 inch arms at six feet fits that requirement uh, in terms of a, of a really good underneath player. So uh, he, he could do a lot of things for a team. I think he could play slot. He could, he could play dime or he could play strong safety. Any of those three. Um, I probably at this point in his career, I probably wouldn't have him at free safety given his ball production. Uh, but I think you can play any of the other three any of the other three spots.
0: That's nice, Ken. See, this is what I love about this time of year because uh, we you know we have completely different opinions on this one. We went through the whole D line show. We were pretty we were pretty in lockstep. Uh, you'll get a kick out of this, Ken. One of the games I watched was the Ohio State Notre Dame game. So uh, <laughs> it's so funny. I was watching the other side of the ball here. Uh, with Ronnie Hickman, I see that bulldog, that bulldog mentality, Ken. Uh, he does. He will blow up screens. Uh, you know, if you got yourself in a bunch formation and he's over there, he's going to make a play. Um, and uh, the other thing that I liked about him, excuse me, is that he has nice discipline on misdirection. There are a couple of times, I think it was, in fact, the Notre Dame game where they tried to uh, run some misdirection. And, excuse me, he stayed in his spot, was very disciplined and made the play. Uh, when you talked about the miss tackle rate, what's going on, it's that his body control is way below average and his stiffness shows in multiple areas. So not only at the catch point, but uh, where, you know, as far as like uh, being able to manipulate your body to be able to go up and swat the ball, but uh, in, in tackling as well, his body control is just like, he's stiff. He's very, very stiff. Um, And I think that that hurts him. And then you also mentioned that, uh, you know, as far as not giving up a touchdown, he is an extremely safe, Safe, like he plays the game very safely. Uh, there's no, there's almost like no instincts. Like he's going to sit there and make sure where the play is and not jump and not jump and not jump. So I don't know. I like, I, I just overall, I just look at the, like the, like the, I would say below average athlete despite the, despite his testing numbers. I don't think it shows on the field. I think he's more of like a, uh, I don't know, he kind of moves like a, a defensive lineman, you know what I mean? In a safety's body. And it just kind of bothered me. Let me,
1: let me try and ask you a question relative to this. Sure. Sure. And I I could see it's, it's, it is easy to kind of start building a set of things you think about a player. And and I do it all the time. And then I, I have to like get back at production then and say, if that were true, how the hell does he get 3.6 yards per target? Because he's he I, I agree there's some desire to stay on the back end of a bracket sometimes in coverage with Hickman, which is not a bad thing, but it should result in some ball production. So that is mm-hmm. a bad thing. And and there can be something with the targets that shows up occasionally when the player underneath is more often charged. I'll, I'll call it charged, but but you know credited charge with with a with a target that is between level 2 and 3 so sometimes a linebacker will get that instead of a safety even though they they may not be equidistant or even though the 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 um, uh, the safety you know may be closer to to the player over the top uh so i'm not saying that can't happen so targets can be a little funny as pff counts them i still think 3.6 yards per target is so far above everybody else I'm wondering how he could get that. And maybe some of it's coming on screen passes and his ability to get some minus twos on behind the line of scrimmage plays, but he also doesn't give up any deep balls. I mean, 20, 28 yards is the deepest pass he's allowed. Right. He did a lot twice, but still that's remarkable.
0: I would say number one, you're, you're like, you're saying the a dot, you know, everything is around the line of scrimmage, the crowds. The other thing is I bet you a lot of those passes that they're crediting, you know, are being targeted to the corner because he's just so far back and out mm-hmm. away from the action. Like, you remember the in the Dolphins game where Kyle Hamilton blew the coverage? Yep. Uh, not the one down the left sideline, the one down the right sideline. And I had a, a good conversation with Gordon McGinnis from PFF on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Kyle Hamilton blew that play. That's Tyreek, bleeping hill, screeking down the sideline. He's supposed to be the deepest of the deep, blah, blah, blah. And of course, Kyle Hamilton came away from that play scot free, PFF wise, because he technically changed that. Wasn't, they they, they, they I, good. I,
1: I talked to Gordon about it too. Same same thing, but it was I told him. About, I think I'll look it up right now. But I believe he's got two now credited on PFF. But I'm,
0: I'm really interested to find. out. You know that what, out. Ken? You're going to have to give me credit for that because that no, no, DMing I over get over the here. credit. I at least oh, the you get the for credit for <laughs> on the left sideline
1: <laughs> because I was going by the post play emoting and yeah. what Marcus Marcus. Um, Williams bailed out on the play from the line of scrimmage, realizing that Hamilton was not in the correct spot. And then he – okay, we're going to get back to this here. 2022 season, week two, touchdowns allowed. Let's go for Hamilton against Miami. It
0: should be two. Like, like it, it
1: that should, second should, one would. To- I agree. It should be two. It's two. They've got him with two now. good, good. So good. I think – Maybe we are the one two punch on that. Let's just not try and each all the credit in terms that's of what's so going funny, on. No. No, that's so funny. But I definitely talked to him about it.
0: And that's hilarious, know, but as it's it really great about PFF hit-
1: that okay. they actually will listen to you when you go to them with a, with a problem like that, and you say, "Wait a minute, the post play emoting doesn't work," and you obviously went to one on this too, and and uh, and it got changed. And uh, you know Harbaugh, they're talking about it later in the season after they can. I mean, they really can't talk the very game next game about how poorly this player played. They really need to turn him to turn into a good player before they can start talking about it. So anyway,
0: right. Right. Um, with Ronnie Hickman, I just see a, a like extremely safe player. Who's away from the ball a lot. Um, you know, if it's a bubble screen or something in front of him, yeah, he, you know, he's physical. He's got a bulldog mentality, but he's almost like re- very reactionary is what I would say instead of safe. You know what I mean? Very reactionary. I'm just going to keep backing up. I'm just going to keep backing up. I don't want to get beat deep. And uh, so he he was off my board, man. He was actually off the board. Not honorable mention or anything. No, nope. So uh, yeah, that's our big split. I have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see where he goes on draft day, man. That'll be interesting because he's an athlete, though. You know, he's got the 33 inch arm, six foot 203. He didn't run at the combine, but I mean, you see it in him, man. He's built like an NFL player.
1: Yeah, he's, I, I see Draft Network has him at 107, which would probably be a fourth-round pick or maybe a third in the compensator, probably a fourth-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but anyway, I, I'm uh, I'm certainly higher on him than other people, and it is production-based, which can have its problems. So we will move on.
0: We'll go to number two guy. You're number two guy. Sure. It's Antonio Johnson at Texas A&M. Uh, true junior. Looks for the knockout shot. Uh, What I don't like about him, Ken, is he is a habitual head-ducker, shoulder use, an injury waiting to happen, a penalty waiting to happen, a missed tackle and wait. Uh, And he's gotten rewarded for that head-ducking and knockout shot looking for with the three-force fumbles he had in 2022. Um, He was used in man coverage versus big targets, plenty of slot experience. I think he'll struggle versus route runners or quicker NFL slots. But with Antonio Johnson, the closer to the line of scrimmage, the better. Um, surprising, like, inside linebacker skills, if you want to put them that way. I've seen him scrape and shed, uh, make a tackle. Um, he had misses versus uh, Jameer Gibbs uh, in Alabama. He was injured in the uh, second quarter in that game and missed three games. But uh, overall, you know, he's listed as the top safety on a lot of people's boards. And I can tell why. It just drives me nuts. It's 6'2", 198. Uh, the head ducking, can he's going to get himself hurt if he doesn't clean that up.
1: So he's number 13 on my board. Um, wow, okay. And it's not that I i hated the guy by any stretch. And by the way, if the Ravens draft him with a six-round pick or if he shows up as a UDFA, I'm going to be thrilled. Believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be as happy as anybody. Uh, he has really good size, a decent speed at 452, 10-inch hands, and, that, and then it gets really ugly with eight bench reps and some terrible jumps. And it's not like he can't get stronger, but he's already on the, you know, could be in trouble speed-wise if he picks up 15 pounds or 12 pounds, say, to to play as a as a thicker 6'2 safety. You know, 6'2 safety, you'd figure him for kind of 210, 208 at kind of the minimum to play kind of a normal safety, kind of a thumping uh, size. He's a downhill player. He is a line-of-scrimmage player. So, you know, you want a bigger guy in that safety role there. Uh, avoids blocks very well on the outside, just extremely well at getting through traffic, not getting caught in the wash. Um, he contains very well. I thought he stayed home both on the backside and on the front side of run plays. So a lot of safeties um, know how to chase down a play, but Anthony Johnson, Antonio Johnson, sorry, there is an Anthony Johnson in this draft too. and Two T- of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Antonio Johnson is a guy who often got ahead of the run play uh, even on the front side, and and would be able to contain it. Um, Texas A&M defense, uh, I, I think, did a pretty good job of of playing it together in that regard to stretch out run plays. But his miss tackle rate is not good fifteen point five percent in twenty twenty two. That was a big regression. His career was at eleven point six percent, which is a slightly above average. So that's that would be uh, okay. I thought part of the tackling issue was form and. Uh, you mentioned a head ducking. I don't know if you mean the same thing as me, but he has a bad habit of just not using his arms when he's making high hits it's, or undercuts.
0: Yeah. Yes, it's it, it's a it's like the old adage: the first thing you learn in football, see what you hit. You mm-hmm. know, he will duck his head early, and he's going for the knockout shot with his shoulder or his arm. So th- to me, this is easily correctable. Um, you know, more so than somebody who's not quick enough, fast enough, or whatever. Like he, like you mentioned, him setting the edges, being able to shed some of these bigger offensive linemen, like it's really impressive. I gave him a, a true second round grade. Uh, of course he's as at the very end of that list because he doesn't fit with what, what we want to do. You know, mm-hmm. he's right by, there by the centers that I think are center only's that I gave a second round grade to because I think he'll get picked in, in day two. But, um, but yeah, the head ducking can like, he's looking for the knockout shot. And what bothered me is like, he was rewarded for it. Like he's got forced fumbles off of right. it. So it's like, not a deterrent not to do it, but he's like the missed tackle rate. That's why, bro. He like, he's, he's ducking his head way early, like looking for the knockout shot. And it bothers me. He's going to, he's going to end up getting himself hurt if he doesn't clean that up.
1: Well, that, that's First of all, it's a very valid point, generally speaking that you don't want a player rewarded for what he's not doing technically correct. And, and we've seen how, you know, basically bad tackling form. I mean, obviously, Patrick Queen had multiple problems. We're not going to beat on Patrick Queen too much because he's a hell of a football player now. But his first two years in the league had a lot of tackling problems. And, uh, you know, it's not like they've even completely gone away, but he had a lot of tackling problems in his first two years in the league. And he was still getting splash plays that would occasionally occur when he just laid his pad into the back of a quarterback, segment in the fumble against Cincinnati. Uh, you know, and I, I just you see that happen and and you just kind of shake your head and he goes, well, you got away with that. I hope he's, you know, starts tackling with his arms from now on. And of course, you know, it was a matter of, of basically about two and a half seasons before Patrick Queen became a good NFL tackler. Um, And and you could see that happening to a, to a player like Antonio Johnson as well. It's uh,
0: it's, it can, it's, it's habitual. Like it's habitual to the point where I'm worrying. And the last player that I worried about like this doesn't play football anymore. And, got injured in a serious way um, on the field doing it. So that's what I see with him. And, um, you know. Shazier or somebody? Who you yeah, that. Ryan Ryan Shazier. And he would do it. He would duck his head into people's backs. But Antonio Johnson does it early enough to where, like, dude, sometimes he's going to get helmet-to-helmet contact. He's a penalty waiting to happen. He's a miss tackle waiting to happen. And he's an injury injury waiting to happen. And it's a darn shame because I I think it's correctable. You know what I mean? If he's a coachable kid and a true junior, I think that he can get that cleaned up. But some of the things he does are really, really special. And maybe I'm knocking him too much for it just because I care about the game. And like I said, it's one of the first things you learn in football. See what you hit. Everybody who's played has heard that. But, um, But yeah, I couldn't pass without bringing that up.
1: I got one other comment to make about his ball production that was just not adequate for his career. Four force fumbles. That's that's excellent for a safety. And that's with some playmaking. And he certainly isn't around the line of scrimmage guy, but seven passes defense in one and one interception in more than 1,500 college snaps. If you look at the tape against Mississippi State in particular, missed an easy pick six. Just it was a it was a room service pick six. It'd be the kind of thing we'd be screaming about for two weeks or until somebody else made a similar play for the Ravens in, in, in terms of that being a, a, a bad thing. Um, I think he could play a uh, strong safety or slot corner. I don't think he's a really great fit to play on the back end, obviously with his ball skills. Um, don't think you could convert him, even though it might really make sense to being an outside corner. He certainly has that aircraft carrier size to, to play that position, but I don't, I just don't think he's, he's, uh, fit to do that. So, uh, in any case, he's playmaker around the line of scrimmage is, is how he how he is going to earn his money in the NFL, and I think you're right to worry about the about the serious risk of injury that it brings up it, it begs the question of how can you have him so high when you see these serious technique flaws?
0: Well, I mean, you know, it's just it's just the rest of his game is so well rounded. If you're looking for a, a strong safety and uh, and a and a dime backer, he's what you want. And I mean, it's stuff that happens at the like at the last second at the tackle point, which I think is very correctable. So when it comes to, like you were saying, shedding these blocks, avoiding these blocks, setting the edge. I mean, he's doing like like what NFL line, what you want your NFL linebackers to do. Like he's that good against the run. It's just and he settles. It's just at the last minute, instead of looking up and wrapping, he wants to duck his head and knock your butt out. And to me, I think that that's like one of the most coachable things you could do is knock it off. You're going to get us a penalty. So, All right. um, yeah, it's just like, like I said, it's just a, it's not anything physical lacking him back. He just needs to, he, need, he needs some tough love. I think on that.
1: All right. Hopefully that works out. So he was your number two guy, right? Yes, sir. Jordan battle is my number two guy. We discussed him actually in the first show because I think you had battle at number six. Um, so we're left with one guy. And if it's not the same guy, I'll really be shocked. But you go yes, ahead and have your make your comments.
0: <clears throat> I will be shocked. It is Jason Taylor. No, nope, it is Brian Branch. <laughs> Brian Branch out of Alabama. Uh true junior. Uh Ken, immediate slot starter or strong safety. I think that he would be another guy like Chris for Smith or like Jamie Robinson, a perfect fit for this defense to be able to switch in and out with, with Kyle Hamilton. He's just a higher caliber player uh than than those two.
1: So you're at on the clock at 22.
0: Is Branch a guy you consider there? Probably not. When I look at the other positions, um, I have Branch on my board at number 24 without quarterbacks. So guys like Jalen Hyatt, guys like Keon White, Cam Smith are, are people that I would take ahead uh, of Brian Branch just because you're looking at a, a slot corner, a safety. Like for value wise, I would I would rather have the you know an outside corner. Um, than that, but I think he's a, a like I said, perfect fit. Like Christopher Smith, like Jamie Robinson, he's what I would want out of a safety for the Ravens in this draft. He's just a much higher caliber player than them.
1: So the only way the Ravens get him is with a trade down. Then by the way you think of it, and they still will have needs to fill that they probably will will sacrifice some value, unfortunately, to get a need pick if they if they traded down to say thirty seven or forty one or something, and he still somehow is on the board at that point.
0: Yes, sir. And I, I even wrote down, Ken, if he played left tackle or cornerback, he's a slam dunk first rounder in any draft. Uh it would fit perfect with uh with Hamilton. No glaring weaknesses to me, complete prospect. I can, you know, nitpick on something. I'm sure some of the advanced stats aren't in his favor somewhere, but like he, he's a ball player and I th- I think he's ready for the NFL as a true junior here.
1: Uh, he's got some fantastic advanced stats, or, or at least the, the ones I like to track. So first of all is he had a 2.3% missed tackle rate in, in his – hold on, let me get this higher. That is for his career well, in college. 170 tackles with only four misses by PFF standards. Um, he's never been higher than 3.8% in any season. He is probably the greatest tackling safety in college football history. At least he's in the conversation because there's there's not going to be anybody else who's significantly better. Uh, than that when when the average is around 13.5%, and he's a fifth of that or less, a sixth of that, really. Um, He knows how to take chances, I thought, when his teammates were there to help. Undercuts to make a play on the ball uh, rather than simply bracketing. So I like to see that from a safety that can do either. They bracket or they can undercut. Um, He had 14 tackles for loss, playing primarily slot corner. That is an absurd total for for a slot it's a it's an absurd total for a for an edge rusher but it's it's, you know who might pick up 12 sacks
0: and don't Uh, forget his three sacks and and two interceptions right (laughs) certainly does it all 458
1: uh is just not at all the speed he plays at. he's much faster than that it is explosive burst figures it out in terms of diagnosis better squares up very well as a tackler um, I think there's a really good chance, I think, that he stays at, at slot corner because um, his speed deficiencies will be covered up. But then some teams going to really need him on the back end because he can certainly handle most of the responsibilities there as well. So it'll be a, a difficult and and fun decision for the team that gets him. Uh, he did all kinds of things right as a pass rusher. I mean, but the, the tackles for lost number just blew my mind as well. And then here's the other thing. 5.8 yards per target career, despite length that's not really ideal. He's under 31 inches. Um, he had 26 passes defense in 148 career targets. It's a 17.6% rate. We did have some guy earlier who was who was up in the 30s, but um, or about 30. But 17.6% is still excellent. And so Brian Branch really does it all in terms of the actual results of the game. And you know, and you can look at a game, you can look at highlights and you'll be satisfied with Brian Branch, whatever you look at.
0: Yeah, complete prospect with no glaring weaknesses. I'll just go back to that. There's there's a lot of great things to say. And then on top of it, the fit, like I mentioned, I I, I really like how he would fit on this team. So, uh, yeah, small trade back, knowing that you could probably get him as a slot cornerback slash safety. I mean, do you want to spend a first-round pick on somebody who's not on the field 100% of the time? Well, yes, if he's an edge rusher <laughs> or something like that. But uh, slot corner is almost as important, you know. Arguably more important if he can stick Deontay Johnson and and Tyler Boyd, then you would, I think that you would be able to to pay a premium for that draft pick premium. But uh, love the player, Ken. Love Brian Branch.
1: Yeah, I I do think he'd find his way onto the field basically 100 of the time, the same way that Hamilton did down the stretch for the Ravens. Is you know only missed a few snaps, uh, and and I think that with with Branch in his case, they'd be having him at slot corner if they wanted him, if they, if they, I think he'd be moving to another position on the field for another down, even if they maybe sometimes only had two corners on the field. Uh, that might not be true in his rookie year, but I think that would be true as, as time would move on that he'd be an every down player
0: for sure. Yeah. The Ravens would have to find a way to get him eventually, maybe not this year, but hmm. would have to find a way to get Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton and Brian branch on the field as close to hundred percent of the time as, as possible. Um, and that to me is like the main like I said like I, I could see him playing okay he's your third corner he's maybe on the field 60 65 percent of the time this year higher you think oh yeah it's much higher than that in
1: the NFL' there's, the, the base base defense snaps are are quite low I, I I'll look it up for the Ravens this last year but, but yeah I would, thought, to, I would have
0: thought I would have thought thirds. I would have thought two-thirds and then like you know 12 13 percent base other points about him uh, no, I really don't. I thought that he made did a nice job of making a play on the ball, even when he was in trail mode. Um, and the other thing that I love about him is very good eye balance. Um, he can look at the quarterback, take a peek at the receiver, look back at the quarterback and can anticipate both the route, the uh, route combination, the route that he's defending and when the quarterback's going to throw. High balance is extremely important to me from a, any kind of de, any kind of defender, really, but especially in the defensive backfield to be able to balance where you're looking at what time.
1: All right, just to, in terms of numbers, two hundred five with four defensive backs and twenty one with three defensive backs for two hundred twenty six out of a thousand eighty nine. So it's right around it's like twenty two percent that the Ravens play. Okay, So, 70, so he could be seventy
0: eight percent on the field, seventy eight percent of the time. Okay.
1: All right, and and you know that's basically what the Ravens did this last season with with Hamilton Clark being an absolutely every down player and Williams, uh, is they had those three guys you know taking two point eight snaps per play together.
0: So may I ask how you feel about him at twenty two? Um,
1: you know I guess it comes down to who else is available and and you know I'm going to take the, the the lame way out. I I I mean I guess in terms of some of my big guys who I'd love for them to get at 22, if Devin wheelerspoon is still available, I don't think there's any way, but I would take him. If, if, uh, Malcolm Forbes is available. I think Malcolm Forbes is the better need pick. I think Brian branch is the better player. Um, and that, that would be a, it would be a sacrifice of, of, uh, value for need to take Forbes, but I do love Forbes. Um, and you know, they could probably trade down a little bit. Where do you have Forbes on your board?
0: I have him way, way high. I moved him up into projected first round at number not not quarterbacks included at number fourteen on my list, right behind okay. Deontay Banks. I love it. it's Emmanuel Forbes, by the way. I love I love Emmanuel Forbes. Yeah.
1: Did I did I call him something different?
0: Malcolm, yeah. Malcolm. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Why do I do that? I know I've done that before too. Um so yeah, he, he is the interception uh uh machine. He's the Marcus Peters type uh corner that uh, that'd be great. Why do I keep doing that? Man, I, I, I'm guessing I've done that on other shows as well, if you're catching me on it this way, but I appreciate you doing that. Uh, so that's that's anyway the, the the end of the safety show. Uh, anything else? Pro- probability, the Ravens draft a safety, maybe at some point during this draft.
0: I would say if you count Brian Branch as a safety, and if you count some of these other guys as a safety, which I think like Shamari Conner or something, I would say 25 to 30%.
1: Okay, I think that's a good number. I think that's a good number. All right, Jason, just always a pleasure to talk draft stuff with you. You're incredibly knowledgeable, and to be able to go through this with you and have a little bit back and forth on it is always fun. Uh, we got some differences of opinion. That made, for, I think, for a a good show. Hope the listeners like it. Tell folks where they can talk football with you online.
0: Sure, Huddle It Up Films on Twitter and YouTube. Check out some of the shows I've done recently. I talked about them on the first episode, but uh, easy to find, Ken.
1: And like we mentioned a couple of times here, we're going to be simulcasting on draft night. Uh, Jason and I and and, uh, some other folks will be in and out, I think. But Jason and I are going to be there the whole time, or at least that's the plan for all three days. And it'll be up on Huddle Up Films. It'll also be up on Film Study. Just some Ravens fans getting together to have a really good time watching the, the, the draft from a completely Ravens perspective. And we usually have a, a fairly intimate group. I want to say between maybe like 30 and a hundred watching. We'll see if it's, if this, uh, if Jason's bringing some additional uh, uh, watchers with us. So the point being, we're not making any money on this. It's strictly a fun and family thing. So uh, please join us if you win. And and we'd uh, love for you to participate in the conversation.
0: Can't wait, Ken. I, and uh, thank you again for having me for this draft series. I mean, I'm to the point now where I want to like, not touch my board anymore like i think i've (laughs) I've messed with it enough now i got to go back and write some more ronnie hickman you know so there we go
1: very cool all right jason always always a pleasure and we'll talk to you next time on film stuff